0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. It's already been popping. And listen, this has been a remarkable day in college football. We had circled it throughout the season. And it's not even necessarily that, you know, there is a, a big shakeup to the world as we know it, though cash that over mr illinois if you're watching on youtube you see my man just grooving to the fighting Illini after their win against Iowa but I mean we just saw that Alabama Texas A&M game absolutely deliver in terms of the thrills in terms of giving us all the drama that we could ask for coming down to the final play we had top 10 teams get tested we had a top 10 team Looking pretty darn good ahead of uh, the third Saturday in October. Much more on that in just a little bit. But look, I, I want to start where we just were. And it is not the lock war win, Tom. I'm sure you want to like come and celebrate that. Got but heads on a pike. <laughs> NC State wins by two. They do not cover, but they win. Uh, Devin Leary knocked out of the game. But listen, that that that's not where I want to start. Texas A&M, Bryce Young does not play. Jalen Milrow makes a couple mistakes. Uh, The defense came up with a big play at the very, very end of the game. As Alabama and Texas A&M came down to that last moment, Haynes King scrambling for his life, trying to make a throw into the end zone. I've I've pitched this to you before at an Instant Reaction podcast. Did you think Texas A&M was about to do it? Did you think that Jimbo was about to get two in a row on Nick Saban. Because honestly, if this game had been anywhere but Tuscaloosa, my answer was going to be yes. But because it was in Tuscaloosa, I figured this wasn't where the upset was going to happen. What say you? So are you
1: asking me if I thought that Haynes King, he of the 25 for 46 stat line for 253 yards with two touchdowns and interception, Did you? are you asking me if I thought he was going to come through on that last play to deliver a win for the Aggies. I am. Yeah, kinda.
0: I mean, Zach Calzada again, Zach Calzada <laughs> did like, that was the, that was the talk that we had all week. If Zach Calzada could beat Alabama, Haynes King could too.
1: Listen, like, yeah, no, I, I, I was, it was a coin flip to me. I mean, it's, they were at the, what the two yard line, anything could have happened, yeah. but for me, it was just Alabama had, blown so many chances to put the game away that frankly had they lost I would have been like yeah I know you had that coming because you deserve to lose the way you were playing this game so yeah I mean I'm not surprised they didn't and I wouldn't have been surprised if they had
3: I'm right there with Tom right what once they call that PI it's like oh this Mm -hmm. this might actually happen you're
0: A&M's gonna do it they called the whole it was it was inside holding right like they had gotten them like on the it was a defensive pass interference they'd got him on the inside receiver grabbed him a little bit onto into the end zone set him up in perfect position it was like well crap here we go this is gonna ruin tonight
3: <laughs> yeah and and look for, for as bad as Jimbo's offense is normally they they do rep the hell out of red zone I, I've been to those practices right like he they spend a ton of time on red Zone he talks about this on his coaching clinic tapes so you know it, it's very conceivable they could have won that game and uh Bama played – is that the worst Bama game you've seen this decade? Uh, That was just –
0: No, Okay, well, I
3: guess the the Clemson game. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I'm trying to think back. When's the last time they looked this bad? But that was –
1: According to my notes here, that was the first time they had three first-half turnovers in a game since 2014. So, Jalen Milroe at least helped them accomplish that.
0: And that was the game that they lost to Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the ball ball hitting off the guy's helmet and catching it? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. yes, yes. Oh,
3: my gosh. I I mean, three first-half turnovers, two missed field goals or three? Two. I just –
0: is it a good
2: Got
3: team?
0: It. I guess like listen, let's let's cut through the like Texas A&M came real close, but if we're going to blame Alabama for what happened in that game, then like is 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 Alabama a good team?
1: They're not nearly as good without Bryce Young. That's pretty clear, and I think that honestly, like that's one of the big takeaways I feel like from the first month and a half of the season is maybe Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State aren't as much better as the rest of the country as we thought, or at least they have been in recent years. And like my one thing with Alabama all season had been the lack of an explosive passing game, which had really been the hallmark of their offense for the last few years. We'd finally starting to see some signs of that last week before Bryce Young gets hurt. And without Bryce Young, they definitely don't have it. So you take that away from them. I don't think that that defense is the kind of elite Alabama defense that we've grown used to seeing in recent years. I think Will Anderson's elite, and I think when he's devastating plays, they're pretty much unbeatable. But if you block him on the rare occasions that you do, the rest of that defense is vulnerable, and they're not able to make up for the deficit on the offensive side of the ball with the lack of the explosive plays. So I don't think they're bad by any stretch. I definitely think they're one of the three best teams in the country. It's just they don't have as much of a margin for error like they usually do.
3: We, we we talked about this for a, about a month now, right? When Bama gets its corners back right, and when it gets its, its full complement receivers back, now we're throwing in the, the basically the, the complicating factor of not having Bryce. I, th- I still think they have number one overall, maybe by a lot potential if they get right. Right now, with, with without Bryce, there's a lot of teams that could beat them. A and M, like to me, is not like a top thirty-five, top forty quality team at this point. Because remember, A and M had a lot of guys out too. They, they got they're very banged up on the back end they got a little healthier on the offensive side i guess but um but they're just not in their final form yet and they do look vulnerable and I, th- I think it's worth asking you know who on this schedule can beat them uh with or without bryce and then is there somebody else emerging that could beat them maybe if bryce comes back but if they're not fully ready at receiver if they're not fully ready at db because Tom made a great point. They're very reliant on the pass rush, and if the pass rush is not there, uh, they don't have the same level level of cover guys out there, at least right now,
0: that they normally have. So, what a nice pivot, Mr. Bud Elliott, because there is a game with an opponent that is looking awfully good. It is a Tennessee Volunteers team that, still undefeated, was a three, three three-and-a-half-point favorite going into Death Valley. Are you kidding me? They said, Tennessee going to LSU, and LSU is getting points? Give me all of those points, they said. This thing was never a contest. We were on, uh, Tom Fernelli and I were on the Sportsline live betting hour, watching it on CBS Sports HQ on Saturdays from 1.30 to 2.30. A very cool sort of breakdown, live look-ins, thoughts on halftime lines, second halves, and, and we were saying LSU defensively gets better in the second half offensively has been performing better in the second half the entire season. And Tennessee never let LSU get back into this game. 40-13 to 13 is the final margin here. I think that Tennessee could be poised to jump ahead of Oklahoma State. I think Tennessee could be poised to jump ahead of a couple other teams in the rankings. We'll do our top 25 at the end of the show, so be sure to stick around for our projected uh, top 25 movement. But the regardless of where they are ranked, Tennessee is undefeated and hosting Alabama on the third Saturday in October in one of the biggest meetings in a long, long time in that rivalry. So given everything we just saw from Alabama and given what we saw from Tennessee, what are the expectations? I mean, like, how about this? So the chat was debating before we went live what the line was going to be. So I I, I don't know how, like, Bud, you're on remote right now. I really appreciate you, like, you know, joining us. I don't know how many spreadsheets or monitors you have for us, but let's just even even if you don't have the hard number, let's let's at least get a guess here. What do we think the line is and what did Tennessee show you today, especially as we start to look ahead to that meetup with Alabama? Muted.
3: Ah, trying to avoid the echo. It's a very interesting question you ask, right? And I only have the one screen right now. So I think you need to debate are are they gonna get Bryce back or not? Because he's worth Probably a full touchdown to the spread, Ooh, right? Okay, uh, I mean, I I think so, right? Like yeah. there's there's a reason I, there's a reason I took K- South Carolina with because without Will Levis, even though you guys know I don't love Will Levis, like the drop off to that kid tonight is is huge. Like there's can play and can't play, and in the big game, I don't know if Milro's is ready. Um, although last week he looked great, and we were praising him against Arkansas. On the Tennessee side, I want to know are they going to have Cedric Tillman. I want to know, are they going to have their starting starting tackle Gerald Bency, right? How are they going to look at corner? Tennessee has some injury questions of its own. If I just had to blindly throw this out there, and I, I haven't updated my stuff yet, I need to go look at some things. But I think it's probably Bama by touchdown, right, with Bryce. Yeah. And after seeing the night, what are we thinking? Like Bama one, Bama one and a half at, at Knoxville without Bryce? I think I'd have it
1: closer to 10 with Bryce and then probably about a field goal without him.
3: I mean, that's that's very fair too, right? Like there's a lot of different, different questions here. Tillman matters, okay? Yeah. And, so, and, and so does Mincy because somebody's got to block Will Anderson. And for all that Tom said, and he's right, that they're very pass rush dependent. Guess what? If you don't have Gerald Mincy, they're probably going to be okay with that pass rush. And we have seen teams move the ball on Tennessee's defense. And Tennessee looked great today as far as the scoreboard. But if you watch that game, I know you guys did, you're right. Like There were a couple flaws you could point out in Tennessee, and like and, and I think we probably should because they look really good. They moved the ball effectively. They ran the ball well. They were the more physical team in the LSU. LSU also gave them the ball like really deep in LSU territory off special teams nonsense the first two drives of the game. I thought Tennessee did a decent job getting over the top pass-wise sometimes, but you could tell they do miss Tillman a little bit. And then w- when I saw Dellinger was out, for LSU, I mean, as, as a guy that also runs an FSU podcast, I, I know that, t- that LSU is very thin at tackle, okay? Or not not Dellinger, uh, Will Campbell. They're, they're starting left tackle. When, when we saw the, the photo last night of him in the hospital with the dehydration or whatever, I was like, they're they're in trouble. I was really happy that I actually did bet Tennessee in this game. You know, those are, are things that I thought made it really easy for Tennessee. The fact that I also don't think Daniels looked full speed i mean he had a couple decent runs but there were a couple times i thought he'd pull away more and he didn't and he's just not a good thrower of the ball yet so i i'm like good job tennessee not looking ahead not choking this one away going and just emphatically taking care of business bam i do think is a different animal with Bryce.
1: it went to lsu and won by 27 yeah I mean
3: like I I
1: agree like LSU like muffing the opening kickoff and the punt return early giving them short fields like LSU did a lot of dumb stuff that helped Tennessee out but I think Tennessee's winning that game even without it. I think Tennessee looked like the far superior team in that game from when I was watching it. Defensively I know I LSU did have problems on the line but Tennessee dominated them. I felt like for the better part of that entire game and I know we're not doing top 25 but I Tennessee, to me, like I have been skeptical. I am hereby declaring that Tennessee is legit. I believe in Tennessee. It feels like 98. Okay, no, that's a little too far. But I'm saying this is a team that I think right now, outside of Georgia and Alabama, it's the next best team in the SEC. And I also think, you know, we're going to talk about the AP rankings later. I think the top four is still going to be Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State and then Clemson. Tennessee should be, if that's your top four, Tennessee should be five ahead of Michigan. Tennessee has looked better against a much more difficult schedule than Michigan has. And I don't think Michigan deserves to be ranked ahead of the Vols anymore. So that's kind of what today did for me with the Vols. They are one of the five best teams in the country.
0: I made that well, argument and got a lot of pushback, but, by the way. And the pushback that I got was, yeah, but voters aren't making the same arguments you are.
3: Well, voters are dumb. We've gone over this. Yeah, we see things. voters do do silly stuff all the time. I.
0: I can't like Tennessee. I, when I fill out my CBS Sports 131 ballot, Tennessee was not perfect, but Tennessee also had some absences. But the way that game played out was never in doubt. Like Tennessee went into Baton Rouge and gave LSU whooped the business them. and yes. whooped them. Like that is impressive stuff. You but know one, what that was, Chip? What?
1: That was a fraud stomping.
0: Oh Ooh. fraud stomp Saturday. Yeah. It was fraud stomp Saturday, bud. I don't know if you knew about that.
3: Mm-hmm. I think LSU is fraudulent. I agree. Like that that's the thing. It's I I yes, I want to give Tennessee all the credit in the world. They did what they had to do. They did so emphatically. They're a good team. I think they're a legitimate top ten team. On a neutral neutral field, I have them over Oklahoma State. And I think it's clear, okay, to talk about the team that you know we kind of got some some crap for on Twitter this week, I was told. <laughs> but I don't think LSU is any good right now. Okay, I don't think Daniels looks good. I think he's a little bit dinged. Without Campbell, we know they hate their offensive tackle depth. I, mean, it, I they were what almost doubled up in yardage by that sad auburn team last weekend. They needed a drop punt to beat Mississippi State at, and like that's an LSU team that could easily have four losses right now, right? So I don't know, man. Like I don't think LSU is a top forty level team right now, much less top twenty. That was ridiculous. They were ranked.
0: So where do we want to go next? Do we want to go to the uh, the lock war, or uh, do we want to take it back? Do you want to stay stay near the top? What what, what stands out? Let's let's go a little uh, let's go a little past the baton right now.
1: I think we should go to the lock war because I'm getting kind of freaked out because as we're sitting here, I'm currently watching the halftime show of San Diego State and Hawaii and staring me right in the eyes right now is the beautiful face of my lock war Dang. partner. <laughs> so I think that in honor of Danny, we should talk about Florida State with an epic cover against NC State. That's all that matters. Florida State covered the spread.
3: Yeah, that was wild. Um, what a, like a terrible game to watch overall. It's just not really – Entertaining. I,
0: you lose Devin I Leary even, to the shoulder injury. Yeah. Like, yeah,
3: a lot of penalties. I, ton of penalties. It's a Jeff Flanagan crew, right? He, he's going to get his TV time as soon as you see Flanagan announced. You know it's going to be a choppy, disjointed game. They 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 call a lot of penalties. FSU did not really deserve to win this game, right? I mean, you you lost it after knocking out Devin Leary for for the mm-hmm. second half of the ball game. Uh, NC State was a better team than FSU was going into the game. And I still think they're a better team. You know, like if they lined up tomorrow, I would take NC State again. But FSU did cover this game. So I lost the lock war to Tom. So because all of a sudden FSU is hitting long field goals right before the half and making circus catches. I'm sure FSU fans would like if they would make a couple more just routine catches and not have some of those drops. But look, we talked about this. FSU had like an injury timeout every 30 seconds. Mm hmm. This is what we talked about on Thursday. They're the walking wounded right now. I said on Nullcast, you may go 0 and 3 in this stretch because of the injuries you've had. And whipping Boston College does not paper over this stuff. You got a lot of guys who need to get to the bye week. Okay. Take, I'm sure you'll fight hard next week against Clemson and lose. Get to the bye week. And then see, you know, make sure you can you can secure a bolt. That's very much where this team is right now for me. They got out physical on both lines of scrimmage. NC State's a better team than they are. They're just dang. Like, they don't have the dudes, and the, the backups they have playing in a lot of spots are not very good.
1: Quarterbacks in this game passing were a combined 26 of 53 for 306 yards with two touchdowns and three interceptions. It was just a clinic in the conference of quarterbacks in Raleigh tonight. It,
3: it, I think if you you go back and you look at the success rate on this fsu will look fine in comparison to nc state but that's only because nc state had kind of a glorified wildcat quarterback come in i like i think they had yeah uh one pass thrown by chambers yeah he had as many
0: Devin carter Carter went out too like they also lost that one of their like top two receiving threats uh on the outside at least yeah it was
1: Thayer Thomas had more completions than Jack Chambers. Of course, his only completion was for negative five yards,
3: but it was a completion. Two Jack Chambers.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it,
3: was, it was a throwback to the, to the backup quarterback. Um, but FSU tonight was basically mostly just explosives and, and no consistency, and that's because they were losing a lot of scrimmage. There was penetration in the backfield all the time, um, which is I, that's what I expected. Going into the game. Robert Scott actually, I thought I exceeded my expectations or left tackle. I know we'll probably do more of this on, on Knowles to go. It does suck for NC State that, that, I mean, Leary is very obviously hurt and is in a sling on the sideline. So, uh, you know, great win for them. I don't know who NC State has coming up next, but uh, just that's that's disappointing for them on, on what, especially because last year they were robbed of their chance to win 10 games. And now, you know, at Syracuse, you get a bye, then you host Va Tech, host Wake. Host BC at Louisville at UNC. Maybe you could find a way to go four and two in that stretch and give yourself a shot to win uh, in in the ball game. But with the quarterback play I saw tonight, I don't know, because I didn't get to see any quarterback play from the backup. They just ran the ball every time. I I, I don't know how to judge this NC State team going forward.
0: <laughs> That's what they do. Like NC State was running the ball with Devin Leary, the future NFL draft pick. And they ran the ball with Jack Chambers, the FCS transfer. They threw yeah. the ball to the running backs with Devin Leary, the future NFL draft pick. They threw the ball to the running backs with Jack Chambers, the FCS transfer.
1: Mm-hmm. Recipe for
3: success.
0: Hey, they've, they've got a really, really good defense. Yeah. They've got a really uh, good defense. Those
3: linebackers really are, are, are fun and special. Yeah, right. Like that. That's a different group there. And they they kill a lot of your underneath stuff. It's hard to RPO them. It, it They do a nice job. Yeah, they really do.
0: It's top 10 defense, top 40 offense. We said it in July and we are sitting here on October 9th. The early hours of Sunday morning. Still kind of where I'm at right now. Um, all right. Before we hit the uh, hit the break Tom. Tom, you just want to let it fly. You just want to take you just want to take us through. The experience of cashing yet another ticket of living the life of an Illinois fighting Illini who gets to say that in the race for the Big Ten West, Mm -hmm. you got a leg up, my friend. Uh,
1: Yeah, I need to enjoy what happened tonight. While I can, because first of all, like you said, Illinois won its fifth game of the year to cash. It's over four and a half season long win total on October 8th, which is awesome. It is the first time that Illinois has beaten Wisconsin and Iowa in the same season since 2008. They are one win away from a bowl game. It has been the best Illini season in a long time, and I'm very much enjoying it. But Tommy DeVito, I think, suffered a high ankle sprain during this game, and he could be out for a few weeks. Which means I'm going to be stuck with Art Sitkowski at quarterback for a while. And uh, Art Sitkowski has been mentioned on this podcast for years. <laughs> <Never>. Literally,
3: <laughs> he's like Kalinowski, bad man.
1: Yeah, it's never, it's never complimentary when it comes up. And we saw he threw an interception at the goal line that could have put the, when they were about to put the game away for good. He nearly fumbled the ball away in the last minutes, which Iowa scooped and scored. But luckily, his elbow touched down before the ball came loose. And I'm going to have to deal with that for the next few weeks. But for now, Illinois is five and one. Its defense is still phenomenal. They had five sacks tonight, eleven tackles for loss held Iowa to 52 yards rushing on 30 carries for 1.7 after completely shutting down Wisconsin. They are a very difficult defense to move the ball against, so they're going to be able to play and stick around in every single game. But if DeVito is hurt, it's going to be very hard for them to score points. So that's my major concern right now.
0: I didn't get any odds on this game, bud. Did you?
3: I, I did, actually, and it is one of the first uh, – Times that I've I've actually watched a lot more Illinois than I have Iowa this year. Hell yeah, yeah. W- watching and I like I've watched more than thirty minutes like of actual game time of an Iowa game now. It, it is, it's oh terrible. my god, guys. Like they they should the entire Iowa football program should like the FTC should investigate Iowa <laughs> and make them give refunds to all of their season ticket holders. This is just unconscionably like, bad. Like you you just you have to have some consumer protection here for your fans like you cannot subject them to this nonsense it's really it's that but a part of it was that illinois made him look bad but when everybody makes him look bad the only team that didn't make them look bad was nevada the week that they didn't really get the practice because they had all the fires going on so <laughs> if that's if that's sort of the, the the level of competition you need to be able to look somewhat okay on offense which is like find the worst team in fbs and, and then remove all their practice time i think you got some real problems there Tom, is this a Purdue game for the West? Uh, It it could be. But, I mean,
1: the Minnesota game next week is huge, too. But Illinois is probably going to be down to Art Sitkowski, so I don't feel great about it. But there was one incredible, like, sequence of events in the Illinois-Iowa game. Iowa punts. Illinois muffs the punt at its 35. Iowa jumps on it. Iowa then proceeds to lose 15 yards just on plays being tackled in the backfield. And then they think there was a false start. So they lose 15 yards and punt again, burying the Illini at the five. Illinois then fumbles on the very next play. Iowa recovers it at the Illinois four-yard line, loses 10 yards, and kicks a field goal. (laughs) And that is Iowa Hawkeyes football in a nutshell.
3: Um, you want to know a really, really scary sentence? If you are somebody holding Iowa plus three and a half, I'll read it to you. Shotgun. Petrus, comma Spencer. Pass complete. Short left to Laporta, comma Sam for four yard loss to the Iowa sixteen. Lateral to go five yard gain to the Iowa twenty four. Fumbled by at Iowa twenty four. Recovered by Iowa Ragiani, Nico at Iowa eighteen. Lateral to Petrus Spencer for two yard loss to Iowa eight. Lateral to uh, Bruce Arlan for two-yard uh, gain to Iowa 10. Lateral to Bruce Arlan for six. he you lateral yourself, I guess? Okay. Six-yard loss to the Iowa 4. Lateral to Laporta Sam for three-yard loss to the Iowa 1. I'm getting really scared here at this point because not only do I have money line which lost. Also three-and-a-half, which uh, lateral to <laughs> uh, Petra Spencer for one-yard so loss to team Iowa team. 0. Yeah, lateral. And then luckily, uh, I think the kid stepped out of bounds way early in the sequence anyway. They just didn't say it and it did not
1: (laughs) it was a beautiful big 10 west dude
3: if i lost on that i was just oh my gosh that was gonna be
2: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Purdue beat Maryland.
2: Yeah,
1: I think I got to reevaluate my feelings on Purdue because I have been skeptical about them all season long. And. Granted, there was a sequence in this game in which Maryland forced turnovers on all three of Purdue's third quarter possessions and got nothing out of them. didn't get a single point, which loomed pretty large in a two point loss at home. But Purdue, like I think at some point I just have to admit, this is one of those teams that kind of defies what my numbers tell me about it. It's just it does stuff. It figures things out. They have problems, but they kind of adapt and they figure things out from week to week. They game plan well for their opponent. So I got to give Jeff Brom credit for that. The defense, I don't think is great, but they do just enough to get the job done. And I think now they've had a couple, you know, you look back at that Syracuse game where they did get kind of screwed. Yeah. They did not get screwed. They
0: hurt themselves yeah, slightly they screwed. They screwed themselves. They got
1: a little screwed too. So they're they're not far away from being a five and one team. So I got to start giving Purdue some credit and not doubting it as much.
0: Okay, Coach so and
3: quarterback, I- right? Hmm. Coach and quarterback, like that's like the entirety of the reason that we were a little bit scared to, to bet to bet Penn State there yeah. in that opening
0: game. Iowa is off next week. Thank God. They return to action against the Ohio State Buckeyes on October 22nd in Columbus. Ohio State left Columbus for the first time all season. They just been hanging out. Some people play. Some people don't play. Doesn't really matter. The Buckeyes just continue to roll. And listen, second possession CJ Stroud throws an interception. You're like, Whoa, okay. You know, Michigan state got a short field, turned it into some points, but then Ohio state got the ball back and scored. Then Ohio state got the ball back and scored. Then Ohio state got the ball back and scored. Then Ohio state got the ball back and scored. Then Ohio state got the ball back and scored, then Ohio state got the ball back and scored. because Ohio state scored touchdowns on seven of its first eight possessions. And that one, Interception by C.J. Stroud was one of just six incompletions in a massive day where he threw six touchdowns, three of them going to Marvin Harrison Jr., um, 81% completion percentage, like absolutely lighting up a Michigan State pass defense that was there. But, and this is the one thing that I, I, that stood out to me the most about Ohio State's uh, 49-21 to against Michigan State, It was actually the defense because going into the fourth quarter when the game was well out of hand, Michigan State had 100 yards of offense and negative eight rushing yards. I will repeat that. Through three quarters of play, Michigan State had 13 points, 100 yards, which was less yards than Travion Henderson had rushing at the time. It was less yards than Marvin Harrison Jr. had receiving at the time. And it was less yards than Julian Fleming had at the time. This was a butt whooping mm-hmm. in East Lansing mm-hmm. that had them all filing out. My mm-hmm. guys were pretty nasty today, boys.
1: Sparty was not. Yeah. I mean, Sparty opened the season with a 35 13 win over Western Michigan, then it beat Akron 52 to nothing, and it has lost four straight to power five opponents. And it really hasn't been all that close. Like they only lost to Washington by 11, but that game. Was bigger than an eleven point loss. That game also made us think Washington was better than it was, but we'll get to that later. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, Ohio State had six hundred and fourteen yards of offense, averaging eight yards per play, just an absolute domination. Michigan State just stinks, and is actually a nice question I got that I th- I kind of like to pose to you guys because Michigan State is now zero and three, two and four. I mentioned they've lost all four of their games to a Power Five team. Smetty from the Lebertard Show. If you listen to Lebertard asked me, who is who will be Michigan State's next Power 5 win? So let's look at Michigan State's schedule. They've got Wisconsin at home next week. Then they're on a bye at Michigan, at Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana, at Penn State. How many of those games is Michigan State winning?
0: No, no, no. The question was, what was the next?
1: Yeah, but I'm saying no. we, we they have to win one of those to be the next. So how many of them are they winning? Are they winning any? any?
0: Yes. They've got, listen, because Rutgers is at home. Indiana is at home. Like, on a very base level, like, come on.
1: I, I think so too, but I just want to know which yeah is the, I, I, if they win. Are they beating Wisconsin?
0: No, I'm not no. ready to give them Wisconsin. I'm not going all the way to no, but I'm not comfortably saying that Wisconsin is the next one. I would say that Rutgers at home on November 12th. Is the next Power Five win for Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans?
1: I think it'll come down to whether Tommy DeVito's back for the Illinois game. If DeVito's back, they're not beating Illinois. If Sitkowski's still playing, they could beat Illinois. I mean, you know what? The yeah, they hula-
0: you know what the hilarious result is, Michigan. Yeah, without that yeah. God, that'd be so funny. <laughs> and Michigan, like, I don't, we could go ahead. And, we could just stay in Big Ten corner before we hit the break. Um, like. Michigan didn't look great today. They were, they messed around
1: crazy. for the first half, but they kind of just, yeah, choked him out in the second half. And like I said, we talked about it on the live betting show, Chip. I don't think we should ignore like the what happened to Mike Hart on the sideline with him collapsing and having. Oh, to be okay. off the field. I don't a, think we should yeah. ignore the impact right. that had on that team. Wait, what, what? happened? He had a seizure.
3: Yeah, he had a seizure. Oh
0: shit! Yeah, yeah.
3: like I did not have the audio on that game. I, 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 I had this video on.
0: Yeah, no, he, it was, that's, you did mention that earlier. That's a good point. But, so that's like, so when it's 10 to 10 at halftime, but then Indiana doesn't score again and Mm -hmm. just kind of choke them out in the second half, that's fair. I I maintain that Michigan, again, in its non-conference and Michigan in conference play is the buffed up corgi, small corgi meme. (laughs)
1: No, because here's the box score. The second half, all right. Michigan outscored them twenty-one to nothing. But more importantly, Michigan had two hundred and sixty-three yards and held Indiana to twenty-nine. Yeah. So once they got their once they got their heads cleared and
3: got their act together in the locker room at halftime, that game was just a wrap. I think they had six personal foul slash defensive pass interference in the first half.
1: Committed. Yeah, they had, it was just
3: that that crew was. You, you know, know what?
1: That crew is bad. The Big Ten in general, the referees, have been especially bad this year. I don't know what's going on, but just from game to game, I'm just kind of scratching my head a lot of the time at some
3: of the calls that are being made in a lot of Big Ten games. Yeah, I was like, okay, is this repeatable skill for Indiana? Not really, because they don't really have control over whether Michigan is going to rough the punter or just do some ridiculous late hit, but maybe Michigan is not fully in control. Like, like It's not totally out of their control.
0: I don't know. Anything else from uh the Big 10 stand out?
1: Nebraska got a big win on Friday night. First time they've won a one-score game in like 50 years.
0: I mean, it's, I'm I'm so sorry uh for Rutgers, you know. It's just you you hate to see them have to take on that awful curse. Have you Jim seen
1: Leonard to know?
0: No, have you seen the curse of beating Nebraska? No. Apparently, after teams beat Nebraska, it's like, you know, watching the tape in the ring or like hearing the like wrong phrase. You just go on and you just lose, you know, like Northwestern, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma.
1: Illinois last year beat Nebraska and then lost to UTSA the next week.
0: These teams beat Nebraska and then they can't wash it off. You know, they just, they go on. All right, here we go. Um, shout out to uh, No Context College Football, the Transfer Portal CFB. Uh, that's where I got it from. Uh, since beating Nebraska, Northwestern is 0-5. Since beating Nebraska, Georgia Southern is 1-3. And since beating Nebraska, Oklahoma is 0-3.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Rutgers was playing the long game.
0: Rutgers is smart. So Rutgers, I guess, doesn't get the curse. They lose so that they avoid getting the curse, and that they can have a chance to beat Michigan State. That's good coaching. Yeah, incredible, incredible stuff right there. That's hilarious. Do you want me to say it again? Since beating Nebraska, Northwestern's zero and five. Georgia Southern's one and three. Oklahoma's zero and three. One and eleven combined. Oh. You don't just cancel the game. Like let's let's go like 2020 style. Just be like, ah, oh, sorry, we got to postpone it to December 12th later. What,
1: what happened to them? Oh, they caught the Huskers.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's All simple. right. <laughs> Coming up on the other side. UCLA is looking much less fraudulent than I ever imagined. And I think that we need to start to dive into the Bruins, where they sit in the Pac-12. Oregon picked up a big win. Much more from around the country and our projected movement within the AP Top 25 college football rankings. All that and more.
2: Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Robert Half.
0: I mean, so is UCLA legit or are we hanging on to uh, to Utah for too long?
3: I think yeah. that Utah could have lost last week to an Oregon State team that is now losing to Stanford as we speak. Like, if Oregon State had not thrown them four picks, Oregon State, this is, this is why I bet UCLA, because Oregon State moved the ball on them almost every drive and just did something dumb, and I was like, Look, maybe UCLA didn't like DTR that much. They got Dylan Gabriel on campus, as we talked about on the Wednesday or Thursday show, whatever show that was. But he's a lot better than whoever plays quarterback, allegedly, for for Oregon State. So that I figured UCLA is pretty decent. They have some nice pass rushers. Can they stop the run enough? They will move the ball on on Utah for sure, though, and they did. I will say, like,
1: DTR was great again, but for me – the offensive line kind of like my biggest fear like the big thing i was selling for taking utah was you know that pass rush of theirs is they've been pressuring everybody they played and dtr suffers when under pressure they didn't get a lot of pressure in the past game the offensive line kept dtr up gave him plenty of time and then in the run game like zach charbonnet ran for 198 yards on 22 carries that's nine yards a pop that's a very good offensive line that was very physically impressive to me they were mauling the Utes so yeah I think UCLA is legit I think that if you're looking at the Pac-12 right now I think they're better than Utah clearly they just beat them by 10 but like if you're looking at the Bruins are they that much worse than USC are they that much worse than Oregon I don't think the gap is very wide
0: no not at all the, the, there is a ceiling on where you're ready to put USC right now Right? Where is it?
3: Within like the national landscape or or within the Pac-12?
0: No, no, no. Within the Pac-12, I think what UCLA did is it proved that it is right there with Oregon up in that top tier. And it's so fun because we don't have the divisions. Because we can look at the Pac-12 and be like, okay, let's actually stack them up power ranking style. Let's actually see how this is going to end up shaking out. Um, UCLA gets Oregon after the off week. So they are off next week. Then they go to Eugene. Then, of course, USC is going to be uh, on November 19th. USC does not have to play Oregon, uh, but they do have Utah coming up, which we will see. You know, I, I thought that Utah did a good job of battling back in this game, but ultimately, I am I think that I'm coming out of this with uh, probably... Probably more plus for UCLA than negatives for Utah. I'm not ready to write you.
1: Problems. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs>
1: I was like, is that I, I don't have like headphones tonight. So like, what, what, I was looking at a box score and just like the audio, like a
3: video started playing in the box. Oh, court. was it a box score on? uh Because I cannot figure out their audio play video this year. It's terrible. Like, yeah. I don't use their site anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Anyways, what were we saying before the music just started blasting in our ears?
0: I was. Where
3: saying Well, I,
0: I was saying I'm not ready to write off Utah yet.
1: I'm like write them off, no, but they're not. They're not getting to the Pac-12 championship. They've got too many flaws. Like there is some holes in that team. That so. I don't what, gonna so explain. what
0: are the flaws? Because you know, if they beat USC at home next weekend. Things open up a little bit after that. They get at Washington State, Arizona, Stanford. Then they get then they play Oregon, then Colorado. Like I, I just don't think that I'm ready based on this one conference result. Like, are they out of the college football playoff race? Absolutely. But I think that in order to make the Pac-12 title game, you can probably have one, maybe two conference losses as long as you have the right head-to-heads. And I think that if they pick up a win against USC, that might be the right head-to-head.
1: What scares me about Utah right now, though, is that secondary doesn't look good. And I feel like if you're going to be playing USC, you probably want to have a decent secondary. Although that said, USC did not exactly look great today on offense in that Washington State game. I don't know how much of that you guys you guys saw, but Caleb, Caleb Williams looked pretty ordinary for the most part in that game. I don't even think he was the best QB in the game, at least not today. So I, I don't know, like, I don't think Utah is finishing above UCLA. I don't think it's finishing above USC. I don't think it's going to beat USC with that secondary, and I don't think it's going to finish above Oregon at this point. So I think Utah is probably looking at fourth place in the Pac-12 right now.
3: I think that's fair. I mean, UCLA looks as good as any team in the Pac-12 over the last couple weeks, except for maybe Oregon. Right? Like Oregon has been the most dominant team. Like they they smacked BYU. Right. They went down. They were not scared of Arizona and they beat them by. I mean, what was it? Did Arizona get any garbage time scores here? Probably a couple, right? Mm -hmm. 49 22. I mean, that thing was over basically at the half because Arizona was just being picked up and relocated to another zip code with their, with Oregon's offensive line (laughs) against their defense line. So, I mean, like, I, I don't think Utah this year is as good on the lines of scrimmage as it has been in past years. They get moved off the ball. To Chip's point about how, like being impressed by UCLA's offensive line and, and the run game, I agree. Uh, but I think part of that too is that you Utah maybe not be quite so good along the lines of scrimmage,
0: which is not Utah.
3: Correct. It's very much. It's losing their top pass catcher too. Uh, when Could he got you, hurt against Arizona State is a big I think it's a big deal. And
0: mm-hmm. you make a good point. I mean, like, just to to reiterate on the game by game basis, 70 to 14 against Eastern Washington, whatever FCS, but then you go 41 to 20 against BYU. You drop 29 in the fourth quarter in a comeback win with your back against the wall in Pullman against Washington State. I think that we might look back at that game and that moment as when Oregon really turned the corner. 45-27 against Stanford, and then forty-nine to twenty-two. The uh, the listeners have been chirping at me just, just because I dropped a mo- a hateful money line sprinkle on fading road bow uh, in Arizona. But I I think the historical precedent of Oregon at Arizona might have also uh, informed that decision. And guess what? It was also just a sprinkle. All right, I, I Oregon, Bo all of that. That is That was a group that has certainly turned a corner. Uh, the Ducks, again, off next week, back in action at home against UCLA, one of the games of the year in the Pac-12. The Big 12 gave us uh, the game of the day. Kansas, we believed in Kansas. Still do. Still do. But they fall short against TCU. They lose Jalen Daniels, their star quarterback, in the second quarter to a shoulder injury. I mean, a lot of quarterback injuries... Yeah. Going into the day and also during this day, kind of becoming a theme of the last couple of weeks. I think that it was interesting. Uh, my big note on this was the use of Quentin Johnston. I mean, we talked about, we've mentioned that guy's name for three years here on the Cover Three podcast. And it was like the whole game plan was like, okay, here's the deal. We're just going to get the ball in Quentin Johnston's hands as much as possible. And it's like, oh, that's weird. You would try to do that.
1: Quentin Johnson's going to get like investigated for abusing antitrust laws. The dude had 16 targets, 14 catches, 206 yards, only one touchdown though. So
0: it was the game winning one. Yeah, but only one,
1: like, was it really that good of a day, buddy?
0: I don't know. Dude, that's the entire offense was running through number one for TCU. And obviously it was a, it, it was a fantastic second half. For those of you who uh, might have tailed me on the over 69 as we turned a very low-scoring game into a a nice push, if you were on it with the early edge on Wednesday's show where I got it at 67, that was a winner. Um, I'm not ready to bail on Kansas. I'm incredibly impressed by TCU. We have another Big 12 game, several other Big 12 games we need to get to, but I wanted to start with that game of the day, the Battle of the Unbeatens. What did we take away from TCU's win against Kansas?
1: Loving that 28 to one ticket. Thank you, bud. Loving it. Just feels so good. I'm almost, you know, kind of already spending that money.
3: I so all right. I agree. That is a ticket we we'd we like a whole lot. I like that better than my Kent State ticket. Kent State ticket. Not quite as much as my San Jose State ticket, though. That is uh, that is hopefully fingers crossed. Um, look, TCU was able to take some punches and bounce back in this game because Kansas, even with their backup quarterback, did some wild stuff. Mm -hmm. The degree of difficulty on these catches that that that, the TCU allowed was extremely high. It wasn't like TCU was allowing wide open touchdowns all of the time. Although we talked about this on Thursday, Kansas will scheme you. And we talked about this like, hey, watch how much motion Kansas does. And then their quarterbacks understand why they do it. Maybe Daniel's a little more than Bean, but Bean seemed to be able to find the wide open guy too. And I thought it was impressive that Kansas kind of took a look and kept on ticking, and they also didn't allow them to have some of those explosives as often in this game. The play that really changed it, though, was the screen pass, right? The little screen to, to the little quick kid down the sideline. It just like, damn, because Kansas is battling and they're fighting. And they're making TCU earn everything, and then just little inch of daylight, gone, new ball game. I think Kansas is still a pretty damn good football team. It, like they, they're just so well coached, man. Can you imagine if they had a little more talent? They're able to move people off the line of scrimmage a little better without just tricking them and using angles, which is awesome to do. But um, they're they're fun to watch. That's a good team. That's a nice win for TCU. I will say this: if you are
1: Kansas, and let's say Nebraska does take Lance Leipold away, hold on to Andy Kotelnicki with. Every ounce of strength that you have—that is Kansas's offensive coordinator. Keep him there. Make sure he remains. Make sure he's running that offense, and you'll continue to be fine in the long run. But yeah, no, that was uh, that was the, those are two good teams who played a good, fun, entertaining football game. I think TCU is legitimately good. I think Kansas is still legitimately good. I'm, my opinion of them is not really suffering from this because yeah, they lost their starting quarterback before halftime. They brought in their backup, Jason Bean, who was kind of an electric player when he was still at North Texas. He was making plays for Kansas last year when he was playing, came in. He played very well off the bench. He kept that offense going. It is a very difficult offense to stop no matter who is at quarterback because they scheme it up so well. So, like, this is a Kansas team that is going to go on and win more Big 12 games. TCU is going to go on and win more Big 12 games. And honestly, it's not completely out of the question that we won't see a rematch.
3: Although with Iowa State failing to beat Kansas State, it does become a lot less likely. Yes.
0: Mathematically.
3: Yeah.
1: And correct. Oklahoma
0: State just keeps on winning.
1: Yeah. But they do they,
0: they almost I let the third string quarterback storm back. But yeah, though they just keep on winning. Do um, we think there's that big of a
3: difference between Texas Tech first string and third string quarterback? Because to me, like there's a there's stylistic differences, but as far as effectiveness, they they all do similar things. I Um, I like Donovan Smith. I'm a you're a hater of Donovan Smith. I like it. I do think. Oh oh, no, I like Donovan Smith in last year's offense. I don't like Donovan Smith's fit for what they're doing with Kitley because they're running the Western Kentucky stuff there. I just don't think he's as good with what they're trying to do this year, and I don't think they've adapted to him to maximize his strength well enough this year. I guess
1: on the Oklahoma State side of the ball, like here's the thing, like. Texas Tech had 527 yards. Oklahoma State had 434. <laughs> and I know that part of it is that Texas Tech ran a whole bunch of more plays, but they also averaged slightly 5.1 to 5. It's just Oklahoma State is a good team. I just don't think it's an elite team. And it beating Texas Tech today by 10. And it, you know, they came back. They were in trouble. They fought back in the second half. They outscored them 21 to 7. It covered for Danny, which is huge. Got that minus nine and a half cover on them thanks to that late touchdown. But this still is a team to me that my opinion hasn't changed of that much from what we were talking of last week. It's one of the better teams in the Big 12. It's going to lose a few games before the season is over.
0: Is it? Yeah. I don't know, man. they just kind of on one. I'm, I Maybe I have flipped in my bias is all the what Oklahoma State? State fans? They're playing
1: TCU, and they're playing TCU in Fort Worth. Who you got? TCU. Chip. What? What's the spread? after that? They're playing Quinn Ewers. Who you got?
0: <sighs> okay.
3: We waited. And then time. after that,
0: they, okay. they got a nice soft it's landing,
3: right? Right
1: yeah. now. Yeah, at Kansas State, and then at Kansas. Like this is a team that's got to go through a gauntlet over the next month. Now, if they go through these next four games undefeated, they are going undefeated. <laughs>
0: Can Quinn Ewers get Texas a team that is two and one in conference play to a Big 12 title?
1: Yeah. Here's a question for you. Is Quinn Ewers the best quarterback in college football? No. You sure?
0: No, but I mean, I I'm not ready to, not, not ready to drop that. I, on love, I love
1: Bryce Young. I love CJ Stroud. I see Quinn Ewers do some stuff that m- nobody else is doing just and makes it look really easy. And against I a broken Oklahoma team. He that was doing like it against Alabama now. before he got hurt. He was doing yeah. the
0: same stuff.
3: I'm just, I think Quinn Ewers is the best quarterback in the country. I'm not ready to go there yet because C.J. Stroud did, does still exist in college football, and he's really good too. Quinn Ewers... It, Quinn Ewers is damn good, right? And and like I think so is Caleb Williams, right? but small. Like there's this idea of signature significance where something is just so obvious that like you don't need to see a huge sample, but you can get burned sometimes. Anthony Richardson with, with, with that, right? But ultimately, I I do think that, that Ewers has shown enough to where we, we can be very confident he's a, a a good quarterback and probably a lot more. I mean, we talked about this post show on Thursday, right? I said, hey, like Texas futures wise, anything starting with a four is probably going to be gone if Gabriel's out, because it'll smoke Oklahoma if Gabriel is actually out. And you're not going to be able to get Texas four to one for the Big Twelve anymore. They'll they'll be the favorite on Monday, even with Oklahoma State, you know, being undefeated in the league. Like Texas right now, neutral field is favorite of Rogue State. What do you think? Is that game in Stillwater? Uh yes. This, yes. yes it is that's going to be a banger especially mm-hmm. if Oklahoma State pulls out a win over, over TCU who would you rather have with the number one pick in the draft this spring Will Levis or Quinn Ewers <laughs> is Will Levis going pro or can he come back because like, he didn't play tonight
1: I think he'll be going pro I think <laughs> I, I think as long as he can walk compared to how the NFL scouts feel about him he would be dumb as hell not to go pro alright
0: yeah. Yeah. And we're also yeah, not, I, uh, we're, we're not saying who would you rather take in the NFL draft right here? No, like, like Quinn Quinn, Ewers can be immensely talented, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I am ready to say that he's the best quarterback in college football in the 2022 season.
1: Give it a few more weeks.
0: Listen, how about if he goes on the road, takes on Derek? Cause that's a, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to mention him on CBS sports HQ today. Uh, I haven't mentioned Derek Mason's name a lot and they Oklahoma state's given up a lot of points, but I do think that the fact that this, uh, this Cowboys defense has not just like totally imploded in a way that is detrimental to the team's success. It's probably, Oh yeah, that's right. Derek Mason, pretty good defensive coach. That's weird. We only have a decade of evidence that suggests he knows how to do that. Um, that that'll be, if he beats Derek Mason and Oklahoma State in Stillwater on October twenty second, and then turns around and goes to Kansas State, where you know the wind's going to be whipping sixteen to eighteen miles an hour sideways crosswinds, and he can still sling that pill through those Manhattan crosswinds. Then yeah, I'm I'll, I'll be ready to turn around on my uh, my give Quinn Ewers time take, but I'm not I'm not there yet.
3: Jordan, time stamp it and get it ready. <laughs> yards of play for Texas Tech in the second half, to your point, Chip, about Derek Mason's defense. like that's They're learning how to play, I think, on the back end, but that's still a very good defensive line, and they do get a decent number of tackles for loss. I don't know how many they had today. Uh, Well, if I can scroll over here, that'd be good. Uh, 14. 14 tackles for loss for Oklahoma State. I knew they had a couple. Um, That's a good team. Yeah, they're a disruptive group. Do I think they're a, a... no doubt, top 10 team? No. No. The answer is the same as last week. Do I think they're a for sure top 20 level team? Yes. Yeah. And if you keep improving, you might just be one of the 10 best teams in the country.
0: Well, they mean, they're
3: certainly a they're- lot less fraudulent than Minnesota was.
0: <laughs> so hey, I'm
1: telling you, Minnesota
0: wasn't as bad as you think in that game.
1: All right, There's no enough.
0: way that we are going to write Oklahoma State a team that was in the Big 12 championship game last year and remains unbeaten in Big 12 play and undefeated overall, I'm not going to write Oklahoma State out of the Big 12 title picture until they are mathematically eliminated from playing in Dallas. It might not always make sense to me. They might be getting outgained. They might be getting, like, the success rates might not go in their favor either. But as long as they continue to be mathematically eligible for the Big 12 title game, I will not write, uh, Oklahoma State out of that Big 12 title picture. Anything else from uh, the Big 12 before we move on?
1: Do we want to talk about Texas, Oklahoma at all, or is Quinn Ewers enough?
3: I I want to talk a little bit about the physicality that that Texas offensive line is playing with. I mean, when when I saw when I saw Banks block that kid into the end zone, <laughs> well after the play and almost almost get flagged, it was like, that's what they're missing, man. Like that's what Texas with his whole, like, people call it the country club culture. Like, that's what we talk about. They're missing. And they now just – they got some uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here that I can say without, without getting a little letter from CBS? They, they got some dudes with some what-for up front who have a little nastiness, a little edge to them, right? And we talked about why did Arch Manning commit to Texas? Well, Sark's a great guy to play for if you're a quarterback. They are also – very likely to have one of, if not the best offensive line in the country in short order. And those freshmen that they're playing, true freshmen, 18 year old kids, maybe some are 19, sometimes they're holdbacks, whatever, they're banging people, dude. Like they are moving people out of the way, running, running with Bijan. Worthy today had, what do you have, like one touchdown, maybe 80, 90 yards. Like it wasn't just, hey, we got one explosive dude here. They're finding ways, like Jatavian, the tight end, they do a nice job. They get Roshan Johnson, who they originally recruited. I think as a quarterback back there. This Texas offense is pretty good, and defensively, they're not perfect. But and granted, like you could have a bad defense today would have shut down whatever the heck Oklahoma was trying to do. That D line's pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're, I think they're the best team in the in, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, like let's look at
1: this team. They killed ULM to start the year. Whatever, fine. But they lose to Alabama by one, despite Ewers getting hurt in the first half of that game. They nearly take down the Tide. They beat a good UTSA team by 21 with their backup QB. They lose to Texas Tech on the road with their backup QB. But ask anybody, yeah, and ask anybody like ask Oklahoma State, ask anybody who's played Texas Tech so far. They're just kind of like a pain in the butt team. And Texas fell with their backup QB. They get their starter back and they absolutely dog walked Oklahoma. Just destroyed them in every single facet of that game. This is a really good team. They're only four and two, but they are a lot better than that record tells you.
0: I'm um, maybe it's because we're approaching 1 a.m. on the East Coast right now, but I don't know if y'all see the chat just dropping Brent Venables um jokes. I see burnt vegetables. I see Brett Vulnerables. I just like I'm 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 with it. I did this. Brent Fenables becomes, uh, I believe, the first coach to go zero three in conference play in their debut season with the Sooners mm-hmm. in that program's history. I, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't. I, I don't want to just instigate already a, a fan base that we've been so antagonist, antagonistic with uh, throughout the entire. Hey, hey, they've been antagonistic. We've we been antagonistic with them.
3: Yeah, I was going to say. No, the they've been in with, with us, and now they don't want the smoke when it's yeah. coming back to them. This is a bad
0: team. The, un- the muting is happening.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not a good football team.
0: How low? Like, what? Are what- they... What do you say? Like, what do you say? How do you properly rate? What do you estimate? Like, how do you take a team that has dominated throughout the entire Pac 12 era, that has not had truly down years, that like freaks out when they're eight and four and end up going to the Alamo Bowl? How do you take that team and that program and j- wrestle with the fact that they are going to be six and six?
3: What do you I mean, clearly do? You do? Clearly, this is a result of Lincoln Riley and his coaches not teaching good fundamentals to these players and then taking the ones that he certainly didn't develop and going out to USC and just leaving the the leftovers, right? I, yeah, well, no, it's
1: it's because Lincoln Riley's staff didn't do a good enough job coaching them, and Lincoln Riley took that staff that didn't do a good en- j- enough job coaching them away. That's why they're struggling.
3: Correct. And Venables wants to run more than just a one-gap aggressive defense, and these guys don't have the fundamentals to do it yet, right? And they also don't have the toughness yet that is required to run a Brent Venables defense. Am I doing this right, Oklahoma message boards and Twitter? Because like, let me know if, if my technique needs some work here. It's been a long week. Uh, eventually, though, you give it a year, they're really going to kill it on the recruiting trail. They're going to have a lot more toughness. And okay, all the sarcasm aside, they actually probably will be a lot better next year yes. if Venables can coach a lick. It's in some ways <laughs> reput- reputationally like, You know, Gabriel being out is kind of a good thing for Venables rep as a coach because I got news for you. They were going to get smoked with Gabriel in there. All right. It was going to be a lot worse than what Kansas State did to them. So now you can basically point and be like, hey, uh, look, we didn't have our starting quarterback. You know, Billy Bowman also, that's a legit excuse. Like Bowman is awesome, maybe the best, best safety in the Big 12, but they were going to get, get, get hit anyway. So. It's kind of lets you have a write off here because the quarterback injury and we'll see what they are next year.
1: Yeah, like it might be I, really good. Yeah, I think Oklahoma will be good next year. I don't think they'll be as bad as they are this year. But my biggest like whatever it's just been with the idea that there was going to be no drop off whatsoever. Like you could just lose the guy who's taken you to the playoff that many times and h- helped you get a couple Heisman winners and number one picks in the draft and eh, no big deal because we've got a guy who's never been a head coach before coming in. There's not going to be any sort of drop off there. So listen, I don't think Oklahoma is as bad as it's looked I think that injuries have hurt it. I think that Dylan Gabriel not being there has hurt it. Like you said though, but I don't think Dylan Gabriel is making up for a 49 to nothing loss today if he's playing. But this is a Sooners team that's going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to hit the portal hard, I think, this offseason to get some issues addressed, hit the recruiting trail hard to get some things addressed for the future. And maybe just kind of settle in for a bad year this year and maybe a average year for Oklahoma next year before there's really a chance of them being like a team that's
3: going to win the Big 12 or get to the playoff again. Well, Oklahoma's never going to win the Big 12 again.
1: True. Because they're not going to be there very long. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting that. Oh, wow. wow. Man. When they go to the SEC, it'll be fine.
0: Totally.
3: Mm. Don't do that's- it. Don't do it. They're going to take what you say and twist it around and then quote tweet it. And you're going to get a couple of people who won some trophies back in the day, quote tweeting that, even though it was a fake quote that they made up. And then you're going to get my Twitter all stirred up again.
0: It's been a long week, bud. You're all right. We're good. <laughs> um, all right. So what else as as we uh, scan the country? It, actually, let's go ahead and make sure we get this in. So the new AP Top 25 polls will be released on Sunday. What are our expectations for how the voters react to a week six that saw a half dozen ranked teams lose? Some of those teams that were just on the outside of the polls, though, they also lost. So therefore, it's kind of tough to find teams that you're going to move into your rankings on the ballots. What do we think is going to end up happening when the new AP Top 25 comes out on Sunday?
1: Well, LSU's out. Washington's out. Who else is out? Is BYU falling out?
0: So I don't think that BYU drops out. I actually thought that Notre Dame might creep in.
1: I think North Carolina creeps back in too.
0: North Carolina could creep in
1: because they're doing will or
3: should. Because will, will. Notre Dame is is creeping back in, guys. Any excuse to rank Notre Dame will be taken. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we do the should for Monday after and pole assassin. We do the will here on Saturday night. Uh, I've got Kentucky dropping out after losing to South Carolina.
1: No, I think they'll still be in the top 20. <laughs> yeah, there's half one somehow.
0: No, no, you don't. They no. will get that Will Levis was hurt. And you know what? Honestly, Will Levis
1: was hurt. And that should be factored into what happened there. But
0: I've yeah. got Washington out. Yes. Yeah. And I've got LSU out. Yes. Now, do we
3: break A&M for playing really close against, against Bama?
0: No. I, th- now you're just <laughs> telling jokes. <laughs> All right, yeah, Fair I, I think James Madison finally gets in. Uh, 5-0 start. 22-point win against Arkansas State. Uh, the uh, dramatic comeback win against Appalachian State is the only... Against Arkansas State, the dramatic comeback win against Appalachian State is the only single-digit margin on the profile. They've been dominant on both sides of the ball. Straight schedule's schedule is not great, but straight schedule... Ain't great for some other teams, too.
1: Here's the other thing, though. Like, who's lobbying for James Madison? They, let's be they, honest, they, like, the more people tweet about teams deserve to be ranked, the more susceptible AP voters become to ranking those teams because they see they it. They were mid-
0: fourth or fifth in la- like on the others receiving votes. Yeah. So but, they, they were on ballots already.
1: Yeah. But North Carolina won. They were unranked. They're probably they just beat Miami. They're going in. Notre Dame just won't beat BYU. They're probably going to be going in. There's only three teams falling out that we know of. Is James Madison going to be the third team that takes over, or would that be would an Illinois team that just beat Iowa have a better chance to get in than James Madison? Which
0: really, James again, Madison was ahead of both North Carolina and Illinois in voting points last week.
1: Yeah, and it beat Arkansas State while North Carolina beat Miami and Illinois beat Iowa. I mean, unless PFT commenter is the most influential Twitterer of all time, I'm not sure that James Madison going to be ranked.
0: He may have named me the head coach of the TCU Horned Frogs, but he's not <laughs> going to necessarily advance the the Dukes himself. I've Listen, the thing that's going to make you angry is I could see Baylor, which didn't even play, creep yeah. in just because yep. they were just outside. And especially as we're looking at that BYU-Baylor-Notre Dame kind of log jam coming in. I don't think that Utah is going to fall all the way out after losing to UCLA, but I think that Utah's profile is up for debate. Like, there's they have done a good job of beating the teams that they are better than, but you've got a loss on the road to Florida and a loss to UCLA. And if you're a two loss team, I think I'd like to normally see a more tightened up resume um, to be able to stay in the AP top 25. Any expectations within the top 25 that should be uh, exciting? Well, how high is Tennessee going?
1: I mentioned earlier in the show that I think I would have them in the top five. Where do you think the AP is going to put them? Because
0: six, because I think 31 to 10 is going to end up keeping Michigan. And I've got Clemson jumping ahead of Michigan. They move to four. Michigan goes to five. I've got Tennessee jumping USC and Oklahoma State from number eight to number six.
3: I I think some voters will wait to jump Tennessee because, like, if they beat Bama, they'll jump, and if they don't, they'll drop. Um, Like, uh, I think it's kind of silly logic, but that is what we've actually heard people espouse before about how they do their ranks. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if if they stayed where they are. I I would expect TCU to take a big jump from 17, probably leaping. Do you think it gets to number
0: uh, 10? I've got them to 12. Penn State was off this week. Ole Miss did not lose to Vanderbilt. And so we've kind of got a little bit of a log jam. Yeah. Lane
3: punched it in last play.
1: I wouldn't be shocked, though, because with Penn State being off and TCU getting a big win on the road over another ranked team, if they leapfrog all the way to 10, just because, you know, how like the the way that the mind works when you're filling out the ballot, you're going to fill out your nine. You're like, who's one of the 10 best? TCU did just get a big win. I'm going to pencil them in at number 10. Does Kansas stay in? Yeah. They better. I don't know if it's a guarantee that they will, though, just because they're Kansas.
0: But if we're mentioning the likes of like Notre Dame, BYU, James Madison, Baylor, then Kansas stays in. One yeah, lost team whose only loss is to an undefeated guys, team.
1: You have more faith in the voters than I.
3: Yeah. Kansas barely got in, right? And a lot of times voters are okay. Who lost in his bottom seven to eight range? Uh LSU. Kansas, Kentucky, Washington, get them Washington. out. Washington, they're out. Yeah. By the way, uh, Cincinnati did not look very good today. No. Nope. But they'll stay ranked because they did win.
1: And that's yeah, fine. exactly.
3: Nobody will recognize that, but or not nobody, but not enough people will recognize that to actually cause them to fall out. But
0: they, just yeah, really from from the good rough good. draft of tomorrow's top twenty-five today, who knows what the editors did with it? Uh, in another week. The Bearcats may very well fall out of the rankings after a narrow home win against USF, uh, but a healthy voting points margin against the rest of the pack last week and other teams taking a second loss should keep Cincinnati inside the top twenty-five.
1: They'll probably move up after barely beating USF.
0: Like at those results, I would almost rather USF pull off the win when it comes to this kind of stuff. But
1: all right, so
3: does Alabama fall from number one? No. Yes, I I, I think that if they're willing to swap Bama Georgia last week for number one, or was it two weeks ago? It was uh, last week. I think they're willing last week. It was, yeah. So I think they're willing to to put Ohio State in. I I I'm with you, Bud, because I think if you look at last week,
1: Alabama only beat Georgia by two points as far as voting, but Georgia had more first place votes. So I would. Do you think it's gonna be Ohio
0: State or do you think it's gonna be Georgia? I think it'll be Georgia.
1: I mean they beat they beat Auburn by 32. I don't know how many of the voters will have seen the game, but they will see that Georgia, like, oh, they look dominant again, even though they really weren't that dominant and we didn't talk about it much at all if we did at all. But like it was a pretty eh first half for Georgia offensively. Then in the second half, they, they kind only of,
0: scored touchdowns off Auburn mistakes.
1: Yeah, there were two touchdowns in the first half a 31 yard drive and a 36 yard drive. Yeah. Yeah. But in the second and then half 64
0: the yard Stetson Bennett touchdown run. Mm-hmm.
1: But all a lot of the voters, all they're going to see because they were doing their job, covering their game, they're going to look at the box score. They're going to see 42 to 10. and They're going to see that Georgia had a whole lot more yards than Auburn.
0: So the CBS Sports 131 has Ohio State number one. We have been ahead of the curve at times over the years in terms of being ahead of the AP poll on this stuff. Uh, if Ohio State is number one in the AP poll, then uh, I'm going to take credit for it. Or we'll take credit for it. Yeah, that's right. We told you, fools. All right, anything else uh, from the day that we want to make sure we get here on the Instant Reaction Podcast? I am sure
1: I'm forgetting something, but not that I could think of at the moment. Um,
3: Yeah, shout out Texas State. Yeah. <laughs> like, they lose two O-linemen. They're having to run some weird stuff, and they go out off a of bye week. App just... No, let's let's not say app no show let's just say Texas State went out there and 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 beat them soundly. That was shocking. um so good on you, Texas state. that was that was pretty impressive. Well, say, I, mean,
1: I can't I remember if I said it on here or another show, but i was I was interested in seeing Clemson Boston College this week just because I felt like to solidify my idea that Clemson looks like a playoff team again, they needed to just beat the crap out of BC. And they were a little slow out the gate, but they won thirty-one to three and completely dominated the game. So, I still think Clemson's pretty damn good this year.
3: Worst game of the year, by the way, Colorado State Nevada. Did you guys stay up and watch this at all? No, I went to bed. Of
0: course not.
3: <laughs> Did you happen to catch how this ended?
0: That was it—the field goal, the yes, running into the kicker.
3: Yeah, they yeah they missed the field goal and they had a running into the kicker and they made it instead of a forty-eight yarder, they made it a forty-three yarder, and he made it. With no time left.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was it was sweet revenge for Jay North Valley. Won the grudge match. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Um
0: they were uh, chirping at each other.
1: How about San Jose State kicking UNLV's
3: butt? Yeah. San Jose State's pretty good. Like San Jose State might be the best team in the Mountain West, guys.
0: That's not a huge surprise, right?
3: Wanted a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: They, they, they wanted the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mentioned on yeah. the live betting show with Tommy Tran, who's a San Jose State guy. Didn't want to scare him, but I said, Brent Brennan
3: be an interesting name for Colorado. Mm. Totally agree. I just, my question is, will they go back to the San Jose State? Well, after they had Mike McIntyre and how, they, how it ended there, I think it's silly to, to hold that against Brent Brennan. Brent Brennan can really coach. Mm-hmm. Is well. it
0: Mike McIntyre's demise more about Mike McIntyre and the way he? I, I agree. Yes. the, the yeah. results. The
3: field, they were pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the results were pretty good, if not the best of the Pac-12 era. It was more about the way he handled personnel and off field issues and off field
3: personnel. Yeah, and off field
0: yeah. personnel. Yeah, those things.
3: Um, okay, a shout out and a demerit. A shout out to Louisville. Uh, who, I think ESPN's Adam Rittenberg reported that if if Louisville had lost this game to Virginia, they might move on from Satterfield or would I? I, I, I want to get the wording. Yeah, um they didn't have Malik Cunningham today. And, and what? how ba- how bad is Virginia that you lose to a Louisville team without Malik Cunningham, without D. Wiggins? Did Amari Huggins Bruce play? I don't. I don't know. Did they have? Any of their running backs healthy? It felt like they were all announces out in the pregame, and they win by a thirty-four to seventeen score. That but they did get off to start though. They were down they ten. Did, did yeah, Rittenberg report
0: that afterwards?
3: No, it was, it was before.
0: Before the game, he, he did the like if, yeah, if they, they lose, surprised.
3: yeah. Um, man, I got to uh, I, that was. Do you think Scott Satterfield
1: saw that tweet like in the first quarter and said, "Oh crap, we better start playing better. <laughs> I might get fired if we lose this game."
0: I mean, when Virginia was up 10 to nothing, I'm Did sure that
1: Twitter, "We yeah, better get our shit together."
0: Yeah, 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 like I mean, that that probably wasn't just a Scott Satterfield thing. That was probably like the whole staff. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's probably some chatter up and down that uh that line. I don't know if it changes the outcome by the end of the season, but oh man. It's the Dabo Sweeney coaching tree ain't looking
3: so hot. Uh, no, it is not. Like Dabo's, that, still,
0: Dabo's still cooking with the playoff team right now, but uh, the Brent Jeff Venables got
3: a we win over Cincinnati.
1: What are you talking about,
0: Jeff Scott? Almost got a win against Cincinnati. <laughs> Who's the, got we got to shut out at
3: least. the uh, the Pitt running back. Um, is he Abanikanda? Just yes. breaking Tony Dorsett
1: records. That's all.
0: About- 320 yards at 8.6 yards per carry and six touchdowns. He breaks Tony Dorsett's single game rushing record. He ties both the pit and ACC single game touchdown record. He is also, according to ESPN stats and info, the first running back to go for more than 300 and six touchdowns in the same game. Since a man named Ricky Williams back in 1998, so Shout Tony, out Dorsett to Izzy and Williams, Tony Dorsett,
1: and Ricky Williams, pretty decent company to be in when it comes to performances.
0: And also he left the Georgia Tech loss with an injury in the second quarter. Like if mm-hmm. you want to start talking about most valuable player, how about <laughs> Izzy Abinaconta? Yeah, <laughs>
1: that is. Yeah, that, that game did not go anything like I expected it to. Like, I mean, I'm not pit winning was not the surprise, but 45 to 29. The total in this game was 41 and a half. I locked up the under.
0: I mean, I, I was hoping that Virginia Tech finished with 16 when it was like 17 to 16. I wanted to lose my team total under, but I wanted to lose it by a point and a half or two and a half points. That's how mm-hmm. sick today got for me. So was it two, five and one day for your boy? Just a, just a just a real regression. Regression Saturday. So, I we cannot win
3: an ATS Saturday. week in October, and I cannot stop winning money lines in October. And in September, I basically couldn't lose an ATS game, and I literally started the year like 0-9 on money lines. So I feel like I'm just going to regress into not winning anything in November and just, you know, <laughs> it's a downward spiral from here, boys. Washington uh, losing... To Arizona State, mm, that's that's kind of a toughie. Did
0: day. you see that the interim coaches went four zero?
3: Yes. Well, no, I don't have a Network, so I didn't.
0: I didn't. Well, Did
3: right, you so I just watched that
1: game online because Ryan Nanny pointed that out.
0: Georgia, I right, said so Georgia Tech beat Duke. Yeah. Arizona State beat Washington. Nebraska beat Rutgers, mm-hmm. and um. Colorado didn't play. Mm-hmm. Who's the fifth?
1: Uh, Brian Harson lost.
0: No, no, no. Who's the actual fifth?
1: I don't know, but Brian Harsin lost. So not all the interim coaches won. Jim Leonard.
0: Jim uh, Leonard. Oh, yeah, that's the other one. So Jim yeah. Leonard. Yeah, Jim Leonard. Brent Key at Georgia. Jim Leonard at Wisconsin. Brent Key at Georgia Tech. Uh, I. Who? Who's the Arizona State interim again? Oh, that's a
3: good question. Oh, Aguano. Uh, ig- there we go. Thank goodness. So, um, who has more wins this year? Brent Key or Mario Cristobal? Uh,
0: <laughs> is it the same? Or the, is it a push at two?
3: That's a trick question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think Mario will finish with more. But I'm not as confident in it as I was.
3: Will he have more ACC wins? Because, don't, does Mario have any so far this year? No. No, no. this is their and first Brent ACC has game. Too.
0: Miami is 0-1 in ACC play. Mm-hmm. It's like Ohio State had not played a true road game before today, and Miami had not played a conference game before today.
3: Right. Who will have more ACC wins, Georgia Tech or Miami? Jesus. I, yeah. it's, now I got to look a little bit harder That Yeah.
0: This and Georgia amazing. Tech still gets to play Virginia. And Georgia Tech still oh, gets man. to play...
1: Oh god, this is like a legit question now. Yes,
3: and they and Georgia Tech still has Vatech on the schedule.
2: Yeah.
1: It might truly be Georgia Tech. Cuz let's see who Miami still has everybody. Miami's Florida and State. Miami can beat Duke if Georgia Tech can beat Duke. Miami's,
0: Miami's cross division be, is, Florida is Florida State and Clemson.
1: It might truly come down to the Miami Georgia Tech game. <laughs>
0: If Brent Key four. finishes with more ACC wins than Mario Cristobal, I don't. It's like Mario and Brent are these positions where normally you'd be like, oh, what, this is awful. And it's like, well, I don't know, man. You just spent a bunch of money and it's year one. I, there's not like, I got no answers for you, my friend. <laughs> it's not going well. You gotta suck it up. Right, I mean, what do you tell, like, what do you tell a friend who is a fan of one of these schools right now? Your first year coach, it ain't going well.
3: I mean, write it out. Nick Saban lost to a team that took a school bus. Right, that's right. you're in year one, it do- weird stuff does happen in year one, especially if we think it's a true year zero situation, which I don't at Miami and Oklahoma. So I'm going to call it a year one because I don't think that should have been a year zero. Oklahoma probably had a little more talent exodus issues. Darkest before the dawn.
1: It's going to be okay, buddy. Just hang in there. Keep keep your head down. Keep pushing on. <sighs> you,
3: UConn got a road win. Hell yeah. UConn is a juggernaut. Um, Anything yeah.
0: else?
3: Is that three wins? Did you guys now? watch USC Washington State?
0: A little bit. Like, a little I was bit. in there for like second and third quarter. And then I I didn't catch the beginning and I didn't catch the end. That
3: targeting call was 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 pretty pretty silly. Did not see that. Call on targeting on offensive linemen now on blocks. Yeah. When like leading with the shoulder, guy ducks into it a little bit. What linemen don't launch? They're very low. Like they they we stay can't. on the
0: ground. Right.
1: <laughs> no what, matter what how doing hard them? we try, we wish we could launch. Then we let us play
0: defense. We'll do a cut up and we'll load it into the stream yard and we can just do targeting call 101 on Mondays. Upon sure. further review. This is nonsense. This yeah, they, is nonsense.
1: They nearly called the targeting on Illinois tonight for a guy's butt hitting Petrus's head. <laughs> 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 they had to review
0: it.
3: Like
1: you he hit him with his butt. What are you doing? We gotta
3: got protect got we gotta protect, protect our quarterback. quarterbacks, man. Yeah, yeah Tom got, got to it's player safety, Tom. I said Petris. I didn't mention a quarterback.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Frennelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott3. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson lot that we weren't able to get to there's only but so many minutes in this instant reaction podcast that's why we have a pun for the review make sure you come hang out with us monday 11 a.m eastern time we'll be back at it with more from the notebook more after the rewatch and of course Pole assassin all the good monday stuff gentlemen thank you very much thank you